Welcome to the LDS Mission Cast, a podcast to educate and inspire in the great cause of missionary work. This is your host, Nick Galetti. Back on the 22nd of May, I received an email from David Gaines, a listener to the podcast in Belgium. He told me a little bit about his experience in coming into the church and how an early calling as branch mission leader in his branch in Belgium prompted him to start using social media to generate referrals for the missionaries in his mission. His successes with his approach brought on the attention of the mission president in his area and then on to the area presidency in Europe. So today, some seven years since being baptized, Brother Gaines has a calling as a coordinating digital missionary of sorts. Uh, he's, he's doing the missionary work in that part of the Lord's Vineyard on social media and is producing literally thousands of referrals for the missionaries each year. In this episode, he tells us his compelling, really cool conversion story, as well as some of his experiences in the church in a small branch, and how we can follow in his footsteps in generating thousands of referrals for the missionaries in our various areas of the world. It was so cool to have a Skype interview with someone on the other side of the planet, yet feel so connected in this great cause of missionary work. Here now is our interview with Brother David Gens from Belgium. I'm not normally a fan of doing Skype interviews because this, the sound quality is typically not what a sound engineer likes to have it as, but our guest on this episode is an exception because he lives in on the other side of the world from me in Salt Lake City. So our, our special guest on this episode is going to share some unique stories. Um, Brother Gaines? Gaines, perfect. And and you're joining us from where? I'm living in Belgium, in Europe. Yes. So I, a little backstory for our listeners. I got an email a couple weeks ago, about, uh, about a couple weeks ago, saying that you do a bunch of stuff for the church in advertising on social media, and you're you have a very unique calling and uh, ended up being such an interesting set of stories, as well as your conversion story, that we had to have you on as a guest. So why don't we start off with your conversion story, how you came into the church, and then we'll get into the work that you're doing with the area presidency there in, in Europe. So how did you come into the church? Okay, thank you, Nick, uh, for that question, and thank you for having me. Um, well, discovering religion for me was uh, is something that uh, to to explain this i have to go back in in the past and when i was raised as a child my parents were against religion it's not that they were atheist or something like that no they were really against religion not that they hated it but they dis discussed it with me as being okay try to avoid that of course, as a, as a child, I took my parents for granted, and that was okay for me. But then later on, when I was getting uh, what you would call a senior in, in high school, and I was thinking on going further to college, I decided, okay, I, I wanted to, to do more with sciences. And the more I read and the more I studied, I got the feeling, okay, I'm missing something. This is too beautiful to consider this all a coincidence and the more that I see that this is all following exact rules, the more I was studying mathematics and physics, I knew for myself, okay, I have to go 
out there and discover what's what's more. Meanwhile, being in, in that mindset, I went on on my first holiday without my parents ever, and I went to to Italy. And uh, I don't know if you have ever been in Italy. I've been to I've been to Venice. It's uh, it's a beautiful uh, country with with a lot of history, especially Catholic church history. So a lot of religious buildings. Yeah. And I still remember I was yeah I was then eighteen almost nineteen then I was visiting an old building, a monastery together with a church of Franciscus and and Franciscus is uh, to explain and that is a, is a saint in the catholic church he is very well known for creating a monastery where the monks lived in poverty he had also a very good relation with nature with animals so you could call him a green uh, politician uh, <laughs> okay. in in the medieval era I still remember, I, I tell you all this to, to give you the setting, I still remember standing in front of a statue of, uh, of this person. And while I was looking at this statue, at that moment I had an impression that I heard a voice. And the voice said to me, David, don't waste your life, I need you. And I was stumbled. I looked around, I thought, okay, who's playing a trick with me? Uh, who's speaking my language, because in Italy they speak a different language than, yeah. than I spoke. And I looked around, and again I started looking at the statue, and I heard it a second time. I was, yeah, a little scared maybe you could call it, but I still have the feeling, okay, what's happening over here? And I, and I tried to, to get away, but I couldn't. I started realizing that, that something special happened, and then... I heard it for the third time. I really, well, her, hearing is, is not the right word for it. Later on, I, un, I understood it more that it was more a thing between hearing and feeling. But I had the same impression, impression again that somebody said to me, I need you. And based on, on what happened over there when I returned home, since my family is not religious at all, I wanted to talk with, with somebody and in Belgium, most people back then were still baptized in, in the Catholic Church. Sure. And so in every village you can find a Catholic priest. So that was the person that I thought, okay, I have to talk with this Catholic priest about what happened. And that Catholic priest said to me, okay, somehow you had a very distinctive call from, from the Lord. And that resulted that I really knew based on what I was already discovering by studying and what happened then, that I knew that Heavenly Father was in my life. I even thought at that moment, based on what the Catholic priest told me, I believed that, that it was a call to become a priest in the Catholic Church. Oh, okay. But uh, later on, while pursuing that goal, I discovered that the more I was studying the Bible and stuff like that and, and the things that the Catholic Church was preaching, I had the feeling... Mm, that's not all entirely com correct. So the result of all that was that at the end I was investigating a lot of churches and, and trying to discover the truth. But at the end I always had the feeling, okay, what I believe, I'm, I'm the only person who sees it like this. And instead of being ridiculed by a lot of people, I'll keep it to myself. And religion became something very private to me. I joke to myself, okay, I'm a one-man one church. There you go. So 
this was the setting when I was yeah back then in my 20s. So to skip a little bit forward then, later on I met a girl, we, we got married, we, we knew from each other, we had a similar background, we knew from each other that we both had the feeling that there was more in life than, than we could see, but we never went into depth. When you're in love, there are other things you, you discuss uh, except that. But then when we were married and we had children, at a certain moment, we both felt, okay, we're missing something in our life. At that moment, my wife already knew the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She had been in contact with missionaries when she was 18, and she still had a Book of Mormon. And she said to me, do you know these guys? And she started telling, and I said, no, the, <laughs> those I didn't discover yet. So I took the Book of Mormon, started reading it, and read it in three days, and I had a feeling, finally, finally, I'm not alone. I'm I'm coming home. I discovered where I belong, and I start reading other things that I could order online, institute books, and I did that for a year. And after that year, I knew for certain, okay, this is the truth. I, I, I'm definitely sure this is the church where I can believe and feel everything that, that I've discovered for myself. The funny thing is then that by the end of that year, I had been in contact with some members of, of the local branch and they invited me and my wife to a Halloween party. And I will never forget this evening. We were at that Halloween party and then I love quite a bit of, of humor and of laughing with myself, especially. So <laughs> the best costume I could think of for going to a Halloween party in a church building was, of course, being dressed as a devil. <laughs> okay. And so it happened that uh, later on that evening, uh, we were in the church. And at a certain moment, I see two nice boys. I recognized them immediately as missionaries of the church. I went up to them totally forgot that I was dressed as a devil, <laughs> never seen them before, and asked them, hey guys, are you the missionaries of the church? Yes, sir, we are. Okay, please baptize me. And <laughs> they, the, the look at their faces, I will never forget for the rest of my life. They probably thought that somebody was uh, doing yeah, a joke, playing a with joke them, yeah. but after a few minutes of discussing, they re they, those guys realized that I was quite ser serious about it. And so we discussed about some things. They explained to me that I had to follow lessons, which I already knew. And then we set a baptismal date for two weeks later. And two weeks later, we were baptized. And I convinced my entire family, uh, so my wife and, and my kids, to be baptized too. So two weeks later, we were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So Excellent. That's, uh, that's the story behind my conversion. When was this? What year? That was back in 2011. Okay. So I, I guess you're in a, a branch there still? Well, since last year, we became a ward. Oh, okay. Uh, since we, we, there were three little branches in, in Flanders, which is a part of Belgium. And those three branches were joined together to have finally to have a ward. Okay, very cool. So what's your calling now? What, what callings have you had? Well, like uh, the, the way to... Uh, up to my conversion was already crazy. Uh, the years afterwards were also crazy. <laughs> I was baptized for a few weeks when uh, the stake president was in our branch and he called me in for uh, for a little talk. And 
I don't know what happened over there, but five minutes later, I was ordained as an elder and I was called to the stand as uh, as counselor in the branch presidency. Wow. As uh, being in a small branch, that meant that in such a calling, you you do several things. Uh, we didn't had uh, we didn't have a branch missionary leader, so uh, I also took that role upon me. That's how I, I learned a lot about about missionary work. Later on, I was called then as elders quorum president, and. Yeah, it's it's quite normal in, in, in smaller units like over here in Belgium that you do several callings at right. once. We try not to do that, but uh, sometimes uh, we we suffer of the what sometimes is called the STP problem. The same ten people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if if you have the same thing over there. In, in certain in ways, church. in certain ways, yeah. Yeah, but uh, at this moment, officially, I'm fulfilling three callings. So I'm now since uh, four years, I'm called to advise the area presidency for online communications in Europe. I'm uh, since last year, I'm also called as the digital channel coordinator, which is the person who has to oversee for the entire country. So that means for four stakes to oversee all digital communications for the church, working close with public affairs. And since a few weeks, I've been ordained as a high priest and called in the high council for our stake. And they asked me to take care of public affairs. <laughs> there you go. Kind of a natural fit. So let's talk about this stuff that you're doing with the, the area presidency. And specifically, what you opened the door with me on was your work in social media that's happening over there. And particularly some of the campaigns where the church is giving away DVDs and things like that. So how did you get into that to begin with? Is this what you do for a living? Well, I have my own company and I'm uh, I'm indeed specialized in online marketing and stuff like that. So it's my, my natural habitat. Okay. And years ago, when I was then first introduced to missionary work, I had to learn a lot of stuff because as a convert, I didn't know uh, what a mission is and how these people sure. work. But I learned a lot. And as a branch missionary leader, I learned then in correlation meetings that our missionaries love a thing called referrals. Oh, that's yes. The thing they, that's the thing they really want. And then they explained, uh, they explained me they had, that they didn't have much referrals and that most of, of their time was spent on knocking doors, going from door to door. And I had something Really? We're 2012 and <laughs> you're spending your time like that and you need referrals? Okay, let's try something. And then had a little discussion with uh, with the counselor of the stake presidency who lives in, in our uh, branch. And I tried some things online based on, on my experience with online campaigns in businesses. And the next week, missionaries came over and I said, here you go, you have uh, 300 referrals. 300. 300, yeah. And that was the start of thinking on missionary work, but more thinking like like a businessman. Since I'm into online marketing in more difficult products and services, I had the feeling, okay, all the things that I learn as a businessman and selling the idea of a religion in Europe, and you have to take that into account, is that that Europe is way more secular than what you're used in, in, in the States, is, okay, it's the same difficulty. So we can use same methods. And based on that idea, I started doing Facebook campaigns, learned a lot, trial and error, 
A-B testing and stuff like that. But it, it comes down to the fact that we offer a message. We offer something, sometimes with, with something tangible, like a DVD, like the Lamb of God. And I create a landing page with more information. And then we, we set up a Facebook advertisement campaign and we go target people that we want to reach. So we, first, we always start planning. And for instance, a few months ago, our mission president asked to get the missionaries more in contact with students aged 18 to 25. Okay. So we then set up a campaign with, in that case, we used uh, bike lights. We, we created a video with, with a team like, okay, it's it was by then it was the time of November, December, going up to Christmas. So a short day a lot of lack of light so we, we made a little video 30 second video where we had a message like okay it's dark now you need light and when you drive out on your bike you need a light but do you realize that Christ is also a light that can guide you and then at the end we had the offer okay we'll give you free bike lights if we can come over and uh, talk to you also about Jesus really <laughs> yeah that 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 in in Facebook the great thing with Facebook is that you can target as yeah. far as you as you want to go, if you want to say, okay, I want to reach people uh, age 20 to 23 who are interested in eating yellow bananas, you can target <laughs> them on Facebook. So that's how we reach them. And then, yeah, from there on, it's up to the missionaries. Go out there, try to contact them. We professionalized also that part. We created what you can call something like a call center. We call it our center of strength where missionaries and uh, missionary couples work together to create a good flow of everything. For instance, those bike lights, you need to send them out. You need to contact all those people. You have to make appointments. So that's all done by the center of strength. And then the missionaries are having their, their time of their life be by visiting all those people. They don't have to go door to door, but they have uh, they have all the time they have is, is spent on visiting people and telling about our church. In the first place, we try to teach them, okay, this was the kind of thing that we call more an awareness phase. Because also therein, uh, in those matters, I... I always discuss it like like a business you have awareness you have interest you have desire you have then the action is how are we going to take the people through that funnel if we do more a first step awareness campaign then we have to do a follow-up in in getting the people more interested and then go to the desire sometimes we do campaigns that our goal is okay First time you go over there, you try to set a baptismal date. So we try a lot of things and uh, it's giving a huge success. Last year, we, we generated more than, than 6,000 referrals by the end of the year. That's incredible. And, and a, a part of why I think we may not see that number as being so significant is I had a friend back in from 96 to 98 who served in the Amsterdam mission, which incorporated some parts of Belgium at that time. I don't know if that's changed. And No, that's st that's still uh, the mission okay. where I'm talking about, the Belgium-Netherlands okay. mission. He had an incredibly difficult time on that mission. Well, he was still knocking doors. Of course, this again was 96. It's a different, different era. But as you say, a very closed-off area of the world to not necessarily Mormonism, but religion in general was was kind of having a lot of challenges. So the fact that you have six thousand referrals in a in a year 
is an absolutely incredible figure. But you've, I don't want to call it a service because then it makes it sound a little too commercialized, but what you are doing has been able to track not just the number of referrals, but how many of those people were taught and how many of those people were baptized as a result. So there's a significant amount of information that you're collecting at the same time. So you've been doing this for a few years. Have you felt like a missionary as you've done this? Is this has this been your mission? Oh, certainly, yes. This this gives me the reward of, of, I often say I never had a chance to go on a mission. I certainly will go later on on a mission when I'm I'm a little bit older and the children are, uh, are grown <laughs> yeah. up. But uh, at this moment, this feels like, like my mission, especially since, and I know a patriarchal blessing is, is very personal, but I can say that, that my blessing told me that, that this would be something that was expected from me. And that goes back on my conversion story where I really felt the call that Heavenly Father said, I need you. And this is how I feel that I can live up uh, up to his expectations. And and that's why I, I, I love to do that because, okay, the, this is also, for me, this is also the, the promise that I made to our Heavenly Father is that uh, the, he, he blessed me with some knowledge about this. And uh, this made me successful in my professional career. But I'm m- more proud on the fact that I, I saw the opportunity that this was also usable uh, for missionary work. And indeed, sometimes it's it's crazy and we joke uh, about it because, and th- this is funny to tell, is then a few years ago, I first did this on my own. And then, of course, missionaries in, in our branch told the mission president, mission president back then contacted me. He said, okay, this is a nice way. Um, you can try that for, for the entire mission. So I did it for the entire mission. Then the mission president told that to the area president. At a certain moment, I got a call from the mission president who said, the area presidents want to see you. Back then, I was a member for two years and a half or something <laughs> yeah. like that two years maybe, so went up to the to the area president. What was surprising to me was that our area president, who was back then, was Elder Teshira. He loved his idea and he's a businessman too, so sometimes we joked about this because at a certain moment I made a presentation for him and like you said, you can track a lot of things, you can measure everything, who clicked, who went through step one, who came on the landing page, who went through, so you can really see, okay, how many people at the end got baptized and I, I made a little joke in that presentation because I knew what the total cost of the campaign was. So total cost of the campaign divided by the number of people baptized. I said, okay, I discovered the worth of a soul. <laughs> the worth of souls, that's right. <laughs> uh, and and this is how it, it started because back then the elder Teixeira, I re- still remember that he had a video camera with him. So I, I had to explain this in front of a video camera. And later on, I discovered that he used this on one of the next meetings of the general authorities. Oh, wow. Uh, so other crazy story is that a few months later, elder Ballard was visiting Europe and was visiting the Netherlands. And so you have to imagine in the morning, it was a Monday morning, I was working at the office and I get a call from uh, an assistant to the mission president. And he said, yeah, dear brother Gaines, uh, can you please uh, make sure that at 6 p.m. this evening, you're in, in the Netherlands because Elder Ballard wants to meet you. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah, and and it was it was fun thing, and that's how I was called to uh, to use my expertise on online communications, and that's four years ago, and I still love doing that because sometimes, yeah, I I can say okay, people, what if we look at that this, and what if we look at that uh, like that, and I know that since then I'm already up to my third area president, but uh, <laughs> I love working with them because they all see that and they all explain to me okay it's it's uh, they all tell me go carefully because it's not a business that we are running but what they love uh, to that is that uh, i try to think out of the box and and that's so fun to do at this moment it's yeah. it's working with with new material in our church and yeah the, the 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 most rewarding result is of course meeting people that say okay without that first advertisement on facebook i wouldn't have discovered the church and now i'm so glad to be a member of the church so and and that's still that's still why we are doing this is to make people more aware of of Jesus Christ because one of the things that we have to realize is that certainly uh, our church is is very much involved with or very concerned with young people but people from uh, that are aged 18 years now that are true millennials and in Europe that means that for the first time we have a generation where there is a lot of people that don't know Jesus Christ two generations ago Everybody was taught about Jesus Christ in schools. Now we have a generation whose parents were the first generation not to be taught. So now we have a generation that is completely unaware of Jesus Christ. But they're still searching. But the thing is that what I discovered back then as a, as a branch missionary leader was that especially young people, but up until young you can take nowadays up until 35 in Europe is that religion is something very private and since Europe is very secular people don't talk about religion it can differ from region to region but in general even with your close friends you don't discuss this but what I saw and then based on tools that that I had uh, in in my office I could search for what people were searching on the internet you could see that people were still searching for for more knowledge the people are very much looking for spirituality and and religion but they do it in their private closed rooms behind their computer so that makes it it great fun to to have new ways to reach these people yeah so as maybe part of what was going on is that when people would knock doors of strangers, there would be this sense of you're invading my private space and this isn't, you know, people might see this. Is that, was there like a public aspect to the, the way missionary work was done that was kind of keeping people at least socially cautious of it because it, it's, it felt so almost public, whereas a Facebook campaign, people can click on it and nobody will know who clicked on it or what they're looking for really. Yeah, that, that's one of the things, because here over in, in this part of Europe, Mormonism is certainly very unknown. And mm -hmm. we have what we, probably you know them also, is the the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. Uh, and they also, uh, there they are the members itself that have to go 
attracting and, yeah. and knock on doors. So most of the times when over here in, in, in our part of, uh, of the world, when you have two people knocking on your door and want to talk about religion, they are Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. So uh, our missionaries have often the problem like, oh no, not those uh, witnesses again. Yeah. Uh, so that's also playing, playing uh, a role in that is that uh, it's very hard to 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 say no we're we're from another church and yeah people don't know a lot about mormons mormons yeah especially if they know something uh, number one question of course is oh how many wives do you have that's <laughs> so funny that that's what people think of in europe too like that's there's no place that that's not safe you can <laughs> you Everybody thinks the same thing, I guess. But uh, it's it's like that, and I have my answer to that is uh, that I always said, oh yeah, the I, I discussed this with my wives, uh, <laughs> but um, no, and then I said, no, I'm joking. I thought about this, but I decided to to stick to one wife, not because of the wife thing, but I have very much enough with one mother-in-law. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, what kinds of things can you? Because see, what you're doing is very. Um, I want to say systemic. There's a very organized and systemic approach to what you're doing. Is there anything that maybe individual members can do on their own, some suggestion that you can give them as far as using social media to do missionary work? Oh, yeah, quite a lot. I been traveling a lot lately and I went almost to every branch and ward in, in our mission field exactly to to discuss this and to ask our members, okay, please I know that uh, we all know the, the, the call of our prophets, uh, every member is a missionary and then I say, but I know that a lot of people are afraid of doing this, but there are a lot of things that you can do online just by sharing and by talking is the, the best missionary work is done by giving an example. We, we carry a light that is undeniable and we have to share that light. Of course, we have to do that first of all in our daily lives, but we also have to do that online. And if we share good messages, if we share a lot of, of normal things, like I call it, we can do a lot because since the church, our church is very well unknown, and if it is known, it's known especially based on TV shows like Sister Wives yes. uh, and things like that, is that we have, I quote Elder Bednar on this, we have to flood the earth with, uh, with positive messages. And that's what we, what we need to do. We have to show uh, everybody that we are normal people. We are not having multiple wives. We are not the people with horns on our heads and, and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. And uh, go online, uh, speak about it. If you want to block, block. If you want to, if you want to, to create memes, create memes. Do whatever you feel comfortable, but go out there, be out there in the real world, but also on the internet. Yeah. And uh, we've seen already quite some success in that, uh, especially. And what we notice is that the the, the little normal messages and and what i mean with little and normal is that on our facebook page of our church we we share a lot of these things is that for instance missionaries together with members go uh, do some some service project in a garden of somebody or a certain uh, ward goes singing with christmas in in a home for retired people those things 
that get picked up by other people. And, and that are the things that work the best more than, than sharing scriptures, which is also important. But what we see based on figures, if we then measure it, everything again, based on the reactions, how many shares we get, how many likes, we see that those simple messages tend to, to get the most results. Okay, very cool. Now you're a podcaster too. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the other things that I try to do is uh, if I'm I'm preaching out there uh, and telling people go out there, then I have to give the example. So uh, two years ago, a good friend of mine, uh, Kevin, Kevin and I, we started a podcast in Dutch, in local language. It's about Mormon things. It's how we see things. Each time we try to explain one special thing that that we believe in for instance a few months ago we talked about the magical underwear of the mormons <laughs> uh, and and we see that this uh, this is getting more and more attention we we are now uh, we had already 20 shows and uh, we see nowadays uh, we are a small country but uh, we're starting to reach six seven hundred uh, listeners for each episode hey that's good keep it up so what's it what's it called uh, it's called in Dutch it's called the cast van Mormon which is translated the closet of Mormon okay. is, uh, because uh, we say okay we want to come out of the of, of the closet with a bit our stories so yeah we, we also use a lot of, of humor because we think that that this is the way people like our show is that we can laugh with ourselves it's it's based on on another experience that that happened here in europe i didn't have anything to do with it but but i but i saw it clearly and i believe it was the same case in uh, in the states you have the musical the book of mormon yes which is of course a, a satire yeah. uh, of our belief but when it when it started i i went to the premiere in london and what I found great, what, what was really striking me was that our church in the magazine, in the, in the program, program book, had uh, advertisements like things like, uh, you've seen the play, now read the book, or the book is always better. And that's for, that has been a great example for me in, okay, if you show that you can laugh with yourself, that sometimes you can take a step back, then you show people that you're quite sure what you're doing if you're doubting about what you believe in then you hate it when other people laugh with it but if you know that that you're holding something that is valuable yeah then then okay a laughter here and there is is nothing wrong and that's even especially true if you if you do online things because i kept that in my mind and recently we see that our facebook campaigns are generating a lot of reactions and that's always the case when you do a campaign like that you have a lot of people that are that are reacting on on your advertisements yeah and of course a lot of those reactions are bad reactions what i changed is that in the past i kept silent i had something okay I leave these campaigns running and I don't mess with the reactions. I started to react on the reactions, especially, not also, but especially on the bad ones with a kind of what I would call tongue-in-cheek language. Okay. And that had surprising, uh, surprisingly uh, results. For instance, last uh, one of the last campaigns, we, we worked with uh, the DVD Lamb of God. Yes. And somebody was, was picking on that. And at a certain moment, he said, yeah, I'm only interested if there are bloopers on it. 
And I replied, ah, yeah, but we have a blooper DVD of the life of Jesus Christ, but that's reserved only for people that are members for five years or longer. (laughs) And, And the thing is that these kind of reactions created other people who are no members of our church starting to defend us. We had people that were saying, okay, a church that can react like that about themselves there is something special about it. And we created people that, that were, were getting interested in knowing more just because we were able to, to react like this. So okay. that's another kind of advice that I have because that's the people often ask me, yeah, I'm afraid to go online because there are so many bad reactions. Yes, they are. And a lot of those people you will never convert okay, that's up to them. It's up on up to on us uh, to share a lot of information, but it's the Holy Ghost that has to convert people. And for a lot of people, yeah, they won't feel the Holy Ghost, so that won't work. But other people you can reach on different ways. And sometimes humor is a great thing to reach people. It works online also. Yeah, we actually had an episode of our podcast with a, a stand-up comedian and and he talked about how that can be a disarming thing, that it, it allows people to not see this as an us against them, but that we're human beings having a human interaction. And so that's very special. So you're seeing a, a ton of success with this, and you're seeing people being baptized and brought into the church, and, and you joke with it as being a, a worth of souls kind of thing, but it really is that the efforts and the resources that we put out are to help bring people unto Christ, and you're seeing that. And that's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, especially since it's not always about baptism. Sometimes uh, I realize that in the in these 6,000 6, referrals, we had, let's say, uh, around 40 baptisms. So there are thousands and thousands of other people who are not reaching that goal immediately. But everybody that was talked to, that was sent something, that has seen an online movie, there is something that we left behind and that maybe can grow. Sometimes it has to start with, with something small like, uh, like the seed of a, of a mustard tree. So maybe some results will only show in 30, 40 years, but I'm happy with that. Well, in your own story, your wife had a copy of a Book of Mormon from previous experiences with the missionaries, and it wasn't until years later that you and her were baptized. So, as missionaries, we don't know where those Book of Mormons can go and who they can impress. The, the story of my wife is also something amazing because she got the Book of Mormon because when she was 11 years old, she fell in love with a European singers group, the European Osmonds, you could say. Okay. Uh, the, they, they won a big uh, European song contest in 84. And so she was, as a teenager, she was in love with those three <laughs> adorable young guys. But they, in every interview, they told, okay, we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that triggered something with her. Oh, uh, I want to know more about this. That got her into contact with the church. And that's wow. how she got the Book of Mormon. So you see... Every possibility to tell something about what we believe in, it is always worth doing that. Yeah. What was the name of that group? I don't know if I've ever heard of them. The, in, in English, you would, you would say the Harrys. 
The Harrys, uh, okay. Uh, the Harrys. And uh, they, they won the Eurovision uh, Song Contest in 84 with the song Digaloo, Digalay, Three Nice Boys Dancing, Golden Shoes, and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, you have to look that up on yeah, YouTube uh, yeah. and, and post that in your show notes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will do that now. So thank you again. And uh, what an awesome story and what an awesome work you're doing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's probably almost bedtime there, uh, but thank you very much for coming on and sharing your message. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. I love your show. I listen to it always in, in the car, and uh, I love what you're doing. Oh, Great that's so work. awesome to hear. Thank you so much. You see, you're even reaching Europe. I, who knew? I had no idea. Like I said, I, when when I discovered your show and started listening it, and after a few times I had something, hey, maybe I have also something to share on that show. Because I strongly believe in what you're doing is really helping people. I know your your goals are set in in helping young people who are who are getting ready for a mission and stuff like that. And I know for sure that what you're doing is indeed helping people. I oh. don't have a doubt about it. Oh well, that does my heart good. Thank you so much for telling me that. I appreciate it. It's it's, it's sometimes as you know, it's hard to know who's listening and how it's impacting them, and so. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, no, no. And, and, and especially since church is, is, of course, it's it's still American-based. And uh, what what sometimes is is, uh, is hard here in Europe, sometimes we, we have a feeling like, hey, we are we are Mormons <laughs> too. Don't forget us. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that that uh, I know that a lot of people over here are, are still relying on on uh, English-based material, not only from, yeah. from the church, but also other websites, podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's that's why I had something. Okay, let's now try to to get something back from Europe into the into the states uh, because yeah. I, I listen to several several podcasts and and sometimes I, I have the feeling oh I wish I would call a hotline now and tell them <laughs> hey here in Europe we do it like that yeah. No, that's great. And and every area has different challenges, right? Every, I mean, I served in the South where the problem wasn't that nobody knew God. It was almost that everybody kind of knew a version of, of God and, and religion and were, mm-hmm. were rather steeped in it. And so, every, every part of the world has different experiences, different cultural challenges and things like that. So, awesome. I loved, loved all the stories and thank you again for sharing it. I appreciate it. Oh, no, you're welcome. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. It was incredibly rewarding for me to do this interview and to hear the nice things that he was saying about our podcast. As a podcaster, we don't always get a large audience. It's it's not easy to produce these shows either. Radio stations that produce their content have a staff of people to produce their shows where most podcasters have to do it on their own. So when you add up the amount of work that sometimes goes into doing a podcast, The fact that most of us aren't getting paid to do these things either, and that we're doing this by ourselves, sometimes there arises a a doubt, shall we say, as to whether or not it's all worth it. The fact that someone in Belgium was able to hear and be inspired to reach out and share their story with us, then to hear all those nice things that he was saying at the end was such a reward for me. It's also a lesson of sorts for all of us. We really don't know sometimes the impact of what we do, nor is seeing the results of what our actions are the only reason that we should be doing them. But as was the case here, it's always nice to have a reward and see the blessing 
that comes from putting in all this hard work. I know that I made a friend through the gospel of Jesus Christ and Brother Gaines that I would have not likely have met in any other way. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the LDS Mission Cast. Remember, you can listen to all of our episodes at ldsmissioncast.com. <laughs>